Welcome to the Breaking Stars podcast, where we feature stories of people from non-traditional backgrounds that broke into tech. The President of the United States is expected to sign a revised version of the travel ban when America has historically been regarded as a nation of immigrants and the melting pot has always been one of our competitive advantages. As frustrating as that is, and politics aside, on today's Breaking Stars episode, we interview a woman named Yan Fan, who was born in China, raised in the United States, taught herself how to become an engineer, and went on to co-found a program called Reboot Camp, which is a nonprofit organization in the Middle East where they teach refugees, Jordanians, and women how to code. The reason why this episode is so great is because when she had the skills to become an engineer, she was under the impression, just based off of what she heard in the media and the rhetoric that she heard from companies, that if you are a female, you should be getting hit up with no issues. And for her, that was not the case at all. In fact, she had to actually set up a fake LinkedIn profile with her exact same resume with a white face and a white name that got significantly more responses than her actual profile with the same skills. Um, the other reason why this episode is really awesome is because she acknowledges her privilege. She talks about specific strategies for how to break in. And even though we don't cover this on the podcast, she's currently doing amazing things in Japan. Shout out to Japan and the listeners of Japan, um, teaching them how to code. And if you are an immigrant and you want to learn more about immigrant stu- uh, stories, you should check out Max Renkeritz episode about uh, how he immigrated here from Chile, uh, the things that are going on in Chile, and he's a growth uh, manager at Samsara, which is another amazing company. That's episode seven. Um, and share the story with your friends. Um, it, she talks a lot about women's rights, and she's very passionate about that. Make sure you hit her up when you listen to her uh, her contact information, and please leave your feedback in the reviews or in the Facebook community, and check it out. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, 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 this is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Archer and Timor Meister, and this is the Breaking Stars podcast. Timor, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yeah, so today, it's a really nice day out almost 70 degrees, and we have a very special guest with us. Arthur, tell us a little bit about her. Yeah, so we have uh, Yen Fan on the show today. She's a UI engineer at a big data startup called Ayazdi. And before embarking on a path of software engineering, she was working in finance, doing commodities trading. Yen, before we jump in, tell us a little bit about where you're from and what you were up to before getting to tech. I was born in China, moved here when I was three, grew up in Seattle. So I was always surrounded by tech, but I was never really interested in it. And uh, I went to college on the East Coast. I thought I wanted to get into business, mainly because, you know, you get paid in finance. <laughs> and I uh, ended up working for, as an analyst for this commodities trading company called Bungie. It's a really, it's a gigantic company that most people haven't heard of. And uh, realized that I hated my job. <laughs> Probably yeah. like the, the second week in. <laughs> wow. That's pretty common. I mean, I could relate to uh, that experience since I was in finance. I was actually also covering Bungie and Louis Drive as a lot of the agricultural players. And even though their business is interesting to a certain degree, when you're in a finance role, you're just si- sometimes you feel like you're silent in a very specific niche. 
And even though you have, you're developing a skill set, sometimes you begin to like kind of struggle seeing how you could apply that skill set to other areas and make a big impact. I guess what, um, kind of, what did you do before you even got into finance? Like, what were you doing in, like, what were you passionate about in college and what did you study? I had no fucking clue. Um, can I swear here? Um, I, I had no clue what I was interested in in college. Um, I majored in economics and Asian and Middle Eastern languages. And uh, I, I went to college knowing that I would major in economics, and mm-hmm. I did not realize that I would hate economics so badly. But you know, I had to to withdraw from econ- like essentially our economics 101 class because it was just so dull for me. <laughs> but I couldn't think of anything else that I could do. Like uh-huh. it just seemed, you know, you do the economics, you get your finance job, and then like everything's rosy and peachy. And I was like, maybe it's just economics 101 that I, I don't really like. But then I went to the next few classes and it was just shit the entire way. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I had to do it because the other thing that I was sort of interested in was, you know, Asian and Middle Eastern languages. So I specialized in Arabic and Chinese. And I knew I wouldn't be able to get a job with that degree. And I needed something to like ground and to give me, you know, some kind of a foundation for later on. So I didn't really have like, I didn't really have much of a direction. (laughs) Yeah. So so is that why you decided to go into boot camps? Well, I mean, I... So I like coding, but I, it's not something I'm passionate about, which I think a lot of people try to pretend like they're super passionate about it. I just saw it as like a really useful skill. And when I was trying to find an exit strategy for, my, <laughs> for myself, I knew that one of my weaknesses was that I didn't have any hard skills, you know, outside of like putting together an Excel spreadsheet and knowing a ton of shortcuts on the keyboard and, and like, you know, very like you said, like very niche knowledge about like this industry that I, that I wanted to get out of. And I wanted to get into tech because to me, I felt like if no matter what I ended up in, tech would be the driver for that industry in the future. So it would be something that I couldn't avoid. And uh, so I wanted to get into tech and there were two ways that I could go about it, the non-technical or the technical. And uh, at this time, I saw a number of people on Facebook that were in finance go into tech on the non-technical side. And I was just like, that's a lot of, that's, that's a lot of mob. I'm going to go the other direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And with that, there's certainly certain kind of a lot of challenges because you've like, instead of kind of going the biz dev route, you decide to become an engineer. And did you study computer science in college or did you, have you taken any courses before making that decision? No, I was dead terrified <laughs> of doing any kind of engineering in school. Yeah. It was really intimidating. There were a ton of horror stories about how difficult the classes were. You know, like I, I never saw my like two friends in, who were comp sci majors because they were always sucked in. Mm. And it's just like a scary topic to me. So no, I didn't have any experience. I started kind of out of necessity. Mm-hmm. I had met this guy at a poker game at INSEAD, which is like a, this is when I was in Singapore. So mm-hmm. I was working for Bungie in Singapore and uh, went to this poker game, met this guy who's like really into like entrepreneurship and startups and stuff. And he told me about this like startup weekend, this like hackathon that was going mm-hmm. on. So I entered it. And he was there as well. And we were on the same team. 
I mean, it was like us two and then like this random like design student who just like followed us along. And he came up with this idea. It was like food and beverage startup idea. And neither of us had technical skills, but we came, we had like an honorable mention, which I think of as like fourth place Mm -hmm. with this like really shitty WordPress app. And, uh, but you know, we got like some attention. People were interested. People came up to us and were interested in our idea. And so we thought about doing this. So we worked on it for a little while. And while we were working on it, I realized that I really needed to learn how to code because, <laughs> you know, like engineers are really expensive and you don't know the quality that you're getting. And sure. so I wanted to learn a little bit just to be able to like put a WordPress thing together and uh, to also like kind of know if we were to hire someone in the future, whether or not they were good. And then I got kind of more into it and realized that I could do this on my own. Yeah. So what were the things that you did to learn how to get into the bootcamp? Because they, they have to qualify you to get into those bootcamps anyway, right? So do you use any online resources or do one of your friends teach you? Yeah. So I was lucky enough to have a few friends who were developers. So I would ask them some questions, but I didn't really have much of a direction outside of the resources page for Hack Reactor. So I did, I think a lot of people start with Codecademy. It was really boring. So it was very on and off for a long time. And, and you know, when you're working, you're really tired. So totally. it's like a, you know, on off relationship for a few weeks. And then I really buckled down at some point and I hired a guy that I found online and like one of those like find a tutor websites. And he actually was really great. And uh, so we met, I don't think we met more than like a handful of times but uh, every time that we met, it was like, it was like, you know, having an accelerator. He would be able to answer questions that I'd have, show me best practices, mm-hmm. and just like really speed up my process. And also, I think when you're, when you are studying engineering, you always go down these like black holes of, mm-hmm. of you know, when you're trying to look something up, and then you come across something else that you don't know. And then it's just like a really lengthy Wikipedia hole that you get yourself into. So he helped me avoid those by just saying like, you don't need to know that or you you need to focus on this instead. Um, So after meeting with him like a few times, I I did the Hack Reactor interview. Um, And by that time I'd already quit my job. So I quit and probably about two weeks later, I had my my Hack Reactor interview. That's actually really interesting because it's actually a common theme. Um, amongst the people who've interviewed, finding a mentor. And it sounds like you actually went out and you looked for one and he helped you overcome a lot of, like you said, black holes that uh, usually make a lot of people quit. So a lot of people that we've spoken to, they've quit before and then they started again. So do you feel like for our listeners, like, can you just tell us a little bit more about like the process of finding the tutor? Was it a website? What was the website called? Because I think that's great that you actually found a mentor. Yeah, I actually cannot remember for the life of me the name of the website. It was another Singaporean startup. Mm-hmm. This was all in Singapore. Okay. Um, I think if they're in like a major city like San Francisco or New York, it's actually quite easy to find that community. But in Singapore, especially back in like 2014... And that was a lot more difficult to find. So I took advantage of like all the meetups that were in Singapore. Mm-hmm. There weren't very many, but I tried to go to those when I could. Um, and I started getting more involved in the startup and tech space in Singapore. 
And then I, so the website that I later on found this tutor on, someone had told me about. So a developer friend of mine in San Francisco hooked me up with a friend of his in Singapore who was a self-taught developer and he was also like learning on his own. And so we would meet up once in a while in a coffee shop and just code together. And so he told me about this guy um, and was like, this guy's legit. You should, you know, <laughs> nice. yeah. should seek him out. That's super lucky. And so I guess, so uh, how was your Hack Reactor interview? Because like that's not, I mean, relative to the other boot camps, Hack Reactor is one of the more like rigorous processes. So how was it for you? Like, was there anything that surprised you or anything you would have done differently preparing for it? So before, yeah, before I did the Hack Reactor interview, I did another one for Full Stack Academy, mm-hmm. which is another full stack JavaScript boot camp in New York. And theirs was pretty difficult. They had an online portion where you had, I think they gave like five algos that you had to solve. And at that point, like I was still struggling with a lot of like beginner coder by questions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I had done that interview and they accepted me there. For the Hack Reactor interview, it was more or less very similar. And so after I had that one interview under my belt, it was a lot, it was a lot less daunting. And also, I think compared to finance interviews, tech interviews are so much easier. Like it's such a chiller environment. And just from like a mentality perspective, you go in feeling a lot better. Mm-hmm. I remember just being flat out terrified of finance interviews. Got it. So you broke in, you did all the basics, you did the algos or whatever. But how was the the actual experience in Hack Reactor? Was it really hard? It's harder than you expected or was it easy? I'd say it's, let's say for me, it was difficult. I guess I wasn't really used to the project experience. So you getting kind of the hang of that was, I don't call it a challenge, but it was just different. I think uh, there were some good and bad things about Hack Reactor. One of the good things was, you know, it, you got me the skills that I needed. I personally felt like I didn't go into Hack Reactor with as strong of a foundation as I should have. And, you know, I'm not I wouldn't say I'm like super passionate about coding. So I like wouldn't geek out about certain things. And I think that might have like not helped me. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I knew that it was a really useful skill and it would lead to things that would benefit me in the future. With regards to how Hack Reactor was, my class had a lot of very experienced people. And towards the end, I think their frustrations with having to deal with like beginners on the other end and their frustrations with hack reactors sort of took down the rest of the class. Wow. So yeah, it was towards the end, it was kind of a bummer. They would always be complaining about working with, you know, people with less experience and Mm -hmm. people who weren't as advanced as them, which is unfortunate because, you know, the whole reason why hack reactor does the pairings is so that you're, you can work with people of all sorts of skills and personalities and whatnot. And, they just, I guess they just didn't learn that. Yeah. So just to um, kind of take a step back. So you mentioned when you were in college, you were studying economics and you pretty much like hated the subject from the, from day one. And then I know the teaching style at these boot camps it's very project-based. So you're not sitting in a lecture for an hour taking notes. So from your experience, what would you say like were the biggest differences for you? And uh, like just consuming that information, did you find it more useful I guess, learning it from the Hack Reactor's way of teaching you versus learning something like in college from a lecture? Well, I 
The main difference between Hack Reactor and college was that I was studying something that I was actually interested in. Mm -hmm. So while I didn't love coding, I definitely liked it a lot more than economics. And, uh, you know, I code for fun. I definitely wouldn't say that I like can, like passion to me is something that you like can't stop thinking about. Mm -hmm. And that for me, the coding is not that for me. And to be honest, I don't even know if I have something like that. But it is an interest and it is something that I really appreciate. So that was like a, a big difference between, you know, Hack Reactor and college was mm -hmm. just simply having an interest in the topic kept me up to speed. Yeah, totally. And I guess on your earlier point, I remember when I uh, started at Hack Reactor, I thought I was like the dumbest person in the room because Hack Reactor like tries to keep a pretty good balance of students from different backgrounds. But there's definitely kind of there's definitely a good number of people who've either did engineering, uh, some some maybe industrial engineering. So they've taken a few computer science classes or they had some previous coding experience. So I remember in the beginning, it was a little bit difficult because there were definitely different skill levels, but I felt like by the middle of it, it was getting uh, to, like it was more or less even, but in my cohort, it wasn't, I, I didn't necessarily think, like feel like uh, there was kind of pushback from the more experienced people, but I could, I could definitely relate to the point of kind of maybe pairing with someone who may not necessarily be the, be the best communicator or maybe like, I don't know, <laughs> there's all sorts of people out there. So if they're uh, kind of, not willing to recognize that, hey, everyone is learning and, hey, we should just all help each other out, then yeah, that's definitely a little bit of a bummer. But I guess, so once you finish Hack Reactor, um, let's talk a little bit about your job search process. And uh, you actually did something very interesting when you approached job search. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did? Sure. Uh, so job search was interesting. I created a fake LinkedIn profile of <laughs> the most like... I don't know, the most stereotypical white guy name and face <laughs> that I could think of. So the guy's name, the fake profile's name was Hunter Johnson. You can actually <laughs> look him up on LinkedIn. That's awesome. Um, but Amazing. I just wanted to test like what it was like, because I'd heard from a lot of people going into the job hunt that like, oh, you're a female, you know, like all of these companies are looking to increase their diversity. Like you should be getting hit up with no issues, mm -hmm. et cetera. And that just wasn't the case at all. And so, you know, I just wanted to test this theory, like, is this push real that this push that we're hearing mm -hmm. about in the media, is it real? Yeah. And uh, to me, the answer was like a very clear no. Wow. And it was the exact same profile as yours, right? Yeah. Just yeah. So with the exception of the name and the picture, everything else was the same. So the wow. bios, the descriptions, the only thing that I took out was that he doesn't speak Chinese because I thought that was like way too much of a stretch. So yeah, he. I think on there it says that he only majored in Arabic. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but otherwise, it was exactly the same, and he did get a lot of you in, know inbound recruiters. Interest. Yeah, he got a lot of recruiters and a lot of like ran more random people adding him than like random people would add me. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. And how many applications did you send out under him? No, just on your own in general. Oh, I don't remember. Probably like less than fifty, which. Yeah, don't tell Hack Reactor. Because um, <laughs> yeah. Hack Reactor recommends that you send out over 100. But I went for like quality over quantity. Yeah. There you go. So how did you approach it? So did you have a list kind of going in? Did you have a list of companies you were really like uh, passionate about? Or like what was your... Because it sounds like you were a little bit more selective than Hack Reactor recommends. So what steps did you take to get those interviews? Was it referrals? Like 
from the website or kind of I'd say the majority of things were referrals. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I had no qualms or any shame about messaging people that I hadn't talked to for mm-hmm. over eight years because <laughs> yeah. they knew someone who knew someone. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I very, very few of the jobs that I applied to, I applied through the front door. Got it. Every company I would look up on LinkedIn to see if I knew someone there. So that's, that's actually a great point because you mentioned you used your network, but it's not like these guys, it's not like you were like a startup celebrity and you already had a, the network built out. You just went on LinkedIn, you looked at your friends, you looked at your friends' friends, and you just wrote those cold emails, right? Right. Well, my my network is still very privileged. Mm-hmm. I went to Dartmouth College. It's like an Ivy, right? Mm-hmm. And so that community is really strong here. So through that and through Hack Reactor, I had a pretty large network. So it definitely wasn't like I was coming from nowhere. I mm-hmm. had like a very, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a very privileged network. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would used that to my fullest extent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's where that tuition's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and did, did any of those, those referrals also come from the connections you have in the community? Because it seems like you're also pretty active with different community organizations as well. I'm not sure if that was while you were at the boot camp or after. No, those were all created after. Got it. So got it. yeah, when I was still job searching, it was really just uh, the people that I met through Hack Reactor and my college buddies and other alums. Yeah. Did you have any like interesting experiences doing those, like going through whiteboarding or any of those like kind of technical challenges? Because I think a lot of our listeners who are planning to go to bootcamp, they all want to know like, what is it like once you graduate and you start applying for jobs? What's that experience like? Like being in front of an engineering manager who's asking you technical questions and you may or may not know the answer. Oh man, college taught me how to be really good at bullshitting and (laughs) finance just kind of solidified that skill. (laughs) I was really comfortable whiteboarding. That's Um, awesome. And I also... You know, my mom runs a dance school, so I grew nice. up like dancing and being on stage. So I didn't have any issues when it came to whiteboarding or and yeah, finance interviews are brutal. You know, <laughs> I've gotten some like horrendous questions, brain teasers and stuff, brain teasers and just like flat out mean, like you know all the you know like the stuff that you would get on like Wall Street Oasis yeah. and yeah. shit like that. that they'd try to train you for. Yeah, I've gotten those before. So, you know, after a while, you just go into a room and someone's in there with a hoodie. I'm not intimidated at all. (laughs) That's a great way to look at it. So tell us a little bit about your current job now. And uh, how did you find uh, Yazdi and what does Yazdi do? So, yeah, right now I'm a UI engineer at this big data startup called Yazdi. I don't know if we're a startup, though. Pretty, it's like 70 people. We're down in Menlo Park. So I found them through uh, two Hack Reactor alums. Mm-hmm. So there was an alum named Aishukul Yanit. She's actually a, a minor, I think, Angular celebrity, Angular and D3 celebrity here. So she helped me with interview stuff. And then she was also, she kept her eye out, I think, for me. And uh, one of the things that she, one of the things that she told me was, that, oh, I have a friend who was in my cohort. Their company is currently hiring and you should go check them out. I think you would like them. And so that's how I met a current colleague of mine who is still there now and he referred me. And that's how I got the job. Nice. And so what do you do now? So you mentioned you're a UI engineer and it's a big data company. So 
kind of tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day looks like and what skills that you learn at Hack Reactor that you're applying to your like day-to-day? So day-to-day, I just get really lost and have to ask people questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> so UI engineering, uh, it's all front-end, of course. Mm-hmm. Basically, just creating the app. Um, we were doing mm-hmm. a bit of prototyping earlier right now, working on like more of an internal app that mm-hmm. um, people inside would be using to mm-hmm. see like what jobs are up, et cetera. And uh, I thought that everything Hack Reactor taught was really relevant. Like all the, you know, we use Backbone. We use like a, a version of Backbone that I think they spliced up. And uh, yeah, and like all of the agile, all of that, like it, it gets used. Hack Reactor was really great about making sure I had the skills to to be successful or at least to like be able to learn and grow with the job. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So the next uh, portion of the podcast is going to be the lightning round. And uh, I'll give you a brief overview. Basically, Arthur Rubin and I will ask you uh, three or four questions. Try to give us like short responses, but also include a lot of um, like a lot of hands-on, a lot of tactics that you've used to either break in or find a job or um, just like learn how to code. So with that, I'll pass it over to Arthur. Great. So... um Imagine if you were like dropped in the middle of the city and you had to start start all over again and you only had a hundred dollars, what would you do and like what resource would you use to get to the point where you are now? Attend all these free meetups for free food and <laughs> save that hundred bucks. Um, I don't know, try to camp out at AWS as long as I can. It's <laughs> basically what I would do. Wait, do I have a computer? That's a um, big one. Let's say you you have a PC. Oh, okay. So, oh, a PC. And then I'd try to mug someone's Mac. <laughs> like it, like yeah. it. Like it. Good, good. So throughout the process, if you ran into any frustrations, what music, videos, blogs, whatever, what, what kept you going? Or one piece of music or song that got you motivated? Beyonce, Run This World. There you go. Hell oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. For music, it really depends on my mood. Videos and blogs. I don't really read very many blogs. I don't know. Reddit and Y Combinator, like mm-hmm. the Hacker News stuff. I don't know. Ego? Oh, those are all solid answers. <laughs> all solid answers. <laughs> yeah. And we'll include all the links uh, in our show notes. So the next question is, um, what is the one piece of advice you would want someone to know who is considering starting on this journey? You don't have to like coding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good piece of advice. But uh, yeah, I actually said this to like a group for women who code. The advice was like, don't get into this thinking, don't get into tech because everyone else is getting into tech. Because that's exactly like me trying to get into finance because everyone else was getting Mm -hmm. into finance. Mm -hmm. Totally. So like, you know, what I tell people is like, be strategic because I was pretty strategic about doing the, Mm -hmm. doing Hack Reactor. Not because I, you know, I'm super passionate about coding, but because it was a very useful skill. And I think that's kept me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I guess uh, another question, what is the one thing you fundamentally believe in that you've changed your mind after the process? So you came, I don't know. Yeah, you came in thinking one thing and then coming out, maybe something changed. Uh, I can't think of something. So it was, yeah, was it exactly really... what you expected it to be? Or was there something that kind of you thought it was going to be one way and then you realized that, hey... I mean, I kind of had an inkling, but there are many aspects of Silicon Valley culture that are exactly like finance culture, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 
So and and but I I kind of thought that going in, yeah. it's very cultish and it's very yeah. you know, yeah. Um, and it just reminds me of like you know the you know going into investment banking and stuff like that and the the culture that surrounds it. Mm-hmm. What are some specific things that kind of you would say are parallel? Like I know there are some things that in my, like come up in my mind, but I guess from your perspective, what did you find to be very similar? The markers of prestige. So for uh, investment banking, it's like, are you at a BB, a bulge bracket? Uh And for here, it's like, you know, it's either like, are you at one of the big companies or did you start one? And Mm -hmm. then it's like, you know, how much seed funding do you have? (laughs) Uh, And what else? Like how how much you work and like what nerdy shit you've built, I think is another marker of prestige. But those are like, you know, the reactions and everything and the this need to like meet those markers of prestige are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. No, totally. So yeah, are there any online resources that you found most l- useful, like Wall Street Oasis or anything like that, that helped you go through this? I actually have a list on my blog. Oh, you have a blog? I do. Oh, it's, great. I don't, How can we find that? I actually have to renew that domain name. <laughs> so right now it's completely offline. All right. We'll yeah, include it in the show notes as well. So so. Khan Academy. So I didn't actually use Khan Academy because it. I didn't know about it. I knew about it, but I didn't know that they had this, you know, software engineering portion. So Khan Academy, we used it for Girls Who Code, which was one of like the orgs that I volunteer at. And I was really impressed by how well done it is and how, how much more fun it is. It's a great alternative to Code Academy. What else? Just Google. I Googled everything. And yeah, I think nice. that's like one of the biggest lessons you learn as a software engineer is yeah. like how to Google. What other online resources? I'm trying to think of like really good ones. Oh, Harvard's CS50 materials mm. are all mm. online. I heard yeah. a lot of good things about that class. Yeah, that class is amazing. Awesome. We'll include it in the show notes. Yeah. So how can people learn more or get in touch with you? They're happy. They're welcome to email me. What's the email address? I'm trying to think of a good one. <laughs> I have a few, but I, I can just give them my personal one. TheYanFan at gmail.com. Okay. Nice. Perfect. It rhymes. It's good. It's good. <laughs> yeah. And tell us a little bit about uh, kind of what you're up to now and what are like some projects that you're working on currently? So right now... I'm working on a nonprofit in the Middle East to teach people how to code. So uh, we actually just launched in early May. It's called RBK Reboot Camp, and uh, it's 50% refugees and 50% Jordanians, also 50% women. Wow, Um, that's very cool. Yeah, so working on that right now, and we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, awesome. Does that mean you're going to be leaving SF for a while? Yeah, I will be leaving SF for... I don't know how long. Indeterminate. It'll don't, depend. Don't forget about us. <laughs> oh, no. won't. I love this city. <laughs> so I heard a little bit, a little bit about that. It was partnership with Reactor Core. Kind of what? Um, are you guys going to be using Hack Reactor curriculum? Yeah. So we're Reactor Core was very generous. We're using almost completely Hack Reactor stuff. Nice. And uh, with like some supplementary materials that I created or someone else has created. Nice. That's awesome. Did you set up that partnership? No, I didn't. Okay. So I actually found the uh, two co-founders when they were randomly walking around Hack Reactor. <laughs> I was at Hack Reactor leading a Women Who Code meetup. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the guys walked in and put down his business card and was like, can you like advertise or promote us or something like that? And I was like, oh, I, mm-hmm. I'm interested. 
That's awesome. Very and cool. I guess is the goal uh, for the program for like once they uh, get the technical skills for them to get jobs in the United States or to stay in, in the Middle East and kind of make the impact there? We're hoping to get them either jobs within, so it's in Jordan, so mm-hmm. within Jordan mm-hmm. or remote jobs. So mm-hmm. there are a few companies who are yeah. really interested in, in having some remote developers there. Yeah. Very cool. That's, That's amazing. Very cool. Well, uh, thank you so much. And uh, we'll definitely share your information with our listeners so they can reach out to you and follow you online. Again, amazing story. We appreciate you coming on our podcast. And uh, when you're back in town, we'd love to have you back. And then you can share a little bit about your experience uh, teaching girls how to code. Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks. Have a good one.